a good book, a good yomtiv. We're going in, uh, we're celebrating Yitzchislev. So we'll start off with something about the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe is put, put mainly three for him. We have the Alter Rebbe who published the Tanya, the Alter Rebbe wrote the Shulchan Aruch, and then the Siddur. And like the Rambam, we have the Rambam wrote the Sefer on Halacha, which is the Mishnah Torah, and he has the Meri Nevuchim, which is in, in the Machshove. The Alter Rebbe also has these two, these two for in the Tanya, which is in Machshove, and the Shulchan Aruch, which is the Halacha. But then the Alter Rebbe has a Chibur, the Siddur, which is a combination. It's Alpi it's somewhere in between Nigla and Nister. But let's take a word here. Someone asked me this week, someone from Toronto, and he asks the question that in the Siddha we have in the Brachas Lachlonu, we have the we have the uh, wording is Mechelonu. Take a regular Siddur, an Ashkenaz Siddur, or Svar Siddur, so it's Mechelonu or Mechalonu. He's asking why isn't the Chabad Siddur is the uh, wording Mechelonu. So what you have on the left of the, of the screen is from a Siddur which is about 30 years before the Alter Rebbe, perhaps a bit more, a Siddur based fill of Reb Zalman Henna, and I believe the Alter Rebbe used this is a very Siddur, a very accurate Siddur. Um, between, he was like a, a master of Diktuk in his time contemporary with Balshemtov, kind of, and Rabbi Yaakov Emden was a major opponent of his, and the, the lot of polemics between the two. At any rate, this is the city which I got this from. And then we have here, at the bottom of the page on the left, we have here the, um, from the same Siddha, from, this is from the Alter Rebbe Siddha, from, uh, which is found a few years ago in the library in, in, in Moscow. Uh, this is of the first print of the Alter Rebbe Siddha, from the Tovkov Samar Gimel. Okay, so what we're seeing here on the right of your page is, so we have, again, the, the question is, why Mechollonu rather than Mechollonu? And the answer is, it's very much of Pikabola. And that is that Mechollonu equals a, a gematria of Hashem's name. We have Hashem's name, um, Yudke Vavke, that's 26. And if you'd give off, as you can see over here, is spelled yud vav dal hey yud vav yud vav hey yud, that equals seventy-two. So we've got here um, a yud kevavke. That's the shame ayin base. Now slach samach lamed and ches is ninety-six. That would be yud kevavke, the ayin base, plus the yud kevavke is simple. So that's 26 plus 72 would bring you to 98. So that's what he's saying here on the first line. That slach is, is a remiss to the Shem Yudkevavke. Now let's take a look at the Shem Ekye. But everyone, I remember hearing a tape, but they ever said, instead of saying Ekye, he said Ekye. So that, take a look here at the word Ekye, and then we'll look at the word Mechelon, or let's go first to Mechelon. Mechel is 40, 48. 54, 
170. So Mechoilon is 170. And let's take a look at those words, Aleph, Hey, and then Yud and the Hey. So that's, Aleph is um, 111. And then the two, two Hey's, 15 and 15. So that's beginning to 30. And Yud is 50. So 50 and 111, sorry. No, sorry, Yud is 20. And Hey, Hey is 50. That's 50. 50 and 100. Oh, oh, so that brings you to 161. Then count the letters. Aleph, Lamed, Pei, Hey, Yud. Hey, Hey, Yud. Yud, Vav, Dalet, Hey, Yud. So you've got here, in the Shem, you've got 10 letters. So the gematria of these four, 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 uh, words is 161. Then the, the there's actually 10, 10 letters, so it brings you to 171. So that is the parallel of Mechoilonu, which is 170, Imakola is 771. Basically, what we have here is clearly a Kabbalah, um, how do you say, uh, intervention. That we want to have here in this Slachlonu, we want to have a remes to the Shem Yudkevovke and the Shem Eye. Um, and therefore, we will have Mechoilonu rather than Mechoilonu. And so that's to bring out to, to share with us that, that the gematria. That's the purpose of this spelling. Why is the shame area got to do with Kapora? That it, I, I looked around and didn't find clearly. Possibly you have the idea when Hashem says to Moshe, Eya, Eya, I will be with them in the moments of difficulty. So then that possibly relates to the concept of Kapora. I want to just bring in another, another thing. Since we're talking about words in Diuk in the Davening, and this is something which I noticed many people slip up. The Vov is not missing by mistake. The Vov of Vekoine, which as you can see in the previous quote over here from the Zalman Heno Siddur, Vekoine, that's in standard Nusach Ashkenaz is Vekoine, and I think Nusach Svard also, and yet we have here Koine. The and there's the Kabbalah here is that the word Vekoine or Koine is a remez to one of the 13 attributes of Rachamim, of Hashem's mercy and compassion. The last one being Vernake. So in the back of the Shukhan Aruch, Chelek Aleph of Erechaim, there's a whole page of comments on the Nusachat Philip from the Vilna Gorn. And there, he says it should be Dafke Verkoine, because he doesn't want to take the Vov, as in Koine, the Vov here is a vowel. It's not, you don't hear it. It's not a consonant. Therefore, the, the Gro doesn't want to count that into the Rembes of Vernake. The Alter Rebbe doesn't follow that. The Alter Rebbe says a Vov, which is also just a vowel, can also make up the Remosim. Therefore, the Vov of Koine, the vowel Vov of Koine, it makes it correspond to vernake. That's that's fine, and that's the same thing which is done over here. The mechoil lonu is taking the vov of mechoil, and this is this is not the alter. This is really from the arizal. The vov of mechoil makes up the gematria of 170. So it's okay to use the vovs, the vowel letters, to make to make up the gematria when necessary. Okay, that's that's just a vote on the, the behind the curtains of the siddur. Let's take a look what someone's asking. Someone's asking, it's worrying that we change bits of tefillah to alter the correct Hebrew to fit in with the gematrius. Okay. Yeah, if it would be a, a ma massive 
intervention. Okay, it's a very minor intervention. And I was looking this week separate. Um, you have some, I pointed here in the, in the title of this thing. That line over there is called the makaf. That is when you have two words which are joining together. Not, that's not in the Sefer but in, in Dikdut you have this, this makaf which, which joins two words together and it will take the vowel. So really the original word is mukhoil. But when there is a, a kind of a shortening, of, it's a brief, it's the shortening of the space. Mukholonu, the makaf makes, then it takes away the oi and diminishes it to o. So that's the makaf has reduced it to mukholonu. So mukholonu is not incorrect. It's just as if it is given a bit more emphasis. Like we have also in, in the variations in davening, so you sometimes have this change. It depends a little bit on how the, the sing-song of the words is. Like we have actually even Lahabdol in English, is it advertisement or advertisement? It can be the same word and it's in different uh, dialects. It's going to be the emphasis slightly different. So here the dialect which has been chosen here is to conform to the Kabbalah. Okay, let's go on to something which is Halacha Lamaisa. Um, Tonight we switch to um, the same Talmotil Levracha, and uh, many people ask the question. It's one of the only things in our calendar which we follow the civil calendar rather than the uh, the, the, the calendar which of the Jewish calendar. So the reason for switching to start asking for rain is obviously got to do with the need for rain, and the need for rain goes according to the seasons. The the uh, cal the the sun. The cycle of the sun has got four quarters. You've got the solstices, uh, where you've got the longest day, the shortest day, and then you've got the equinoxes, which is where the day and night are equal. And these are called in Hebrew, they're called the tukufas, the four tukufas. So you've got tukufas oviv, tukufas, um, then you've got tukufas tamuz, tukufas tishri, which is the, uh, I think it's called the vernal equinox. And then we've got tukufas tevis, which is, uh, I think it's called the oil, oil, perhaps mixing up. Then you've got ways going going into the depth of winter. The rule for switchover for St. Alamoto is 60 days from Tkufas Tishri. In other words, from the souls, from the or equinox around Yom Kippur time, around Sukkot time, from that equinox, 60 days hence, that would be the time to switch over. Now, you might start looking at the calendar, look at when the equinox was and say it doesn't actually fit for tonight, which is the uh, the 6th, the 6th of, uh, of, of December. Uh, the explanation for this is actually, if you look at a, a safer from 200 years ago, you'll see it's talking about the 4th of December uh, and or 5th of December, and it keeps on creeping later and later. The reason for this is because the actual cycle of a year is 365 days and um how does it go um it's it's, well, it's it's something about um whether it's a full six hours or just a little bit less than six hours and because of that uh, slight uh, inaccuracy which is that's the what's called the of shmuel as a as, as distinct from rabado or the the uh, astronomical one there's a slight margin where the the calendar which we're following is a little bit longer and that that how you say discrepancy has accumulated over the over the years and therefore the beginning of 
of uh, Tkufa, of, of uh, saying the Sintel motto, has become gradually later and later in the winter. Someone made a calculation that if <laughs> that, that in 40,000 years, uh, we'll be saying the Sintel motto, Ere Pesach. Okay. Uh, this, follows, this follows Bovel, obviously. Uh, we, we can manage with rain much earlier. We do get rain much earlier, but we, it, uh, everywhere outside the Israel just follows Bovel. And that's what also interesting that even the Southern Hemisphere also follow Minag Bovel regardless. Um, let's move on. Um, and, uh, someone's asking that we, then we have a worry that Pesach might be not in not in Chag Oviv, not in the Chodesh Oviv. You mean? Yeah, that that is a concern, and that we'd better have the Gula Shlemer and Sanhedrin coming back to sort out these discrepancies. Right, let's move on. Um, someone asks. This is a Shaila because of the lockdowns. People ask the Shaila about lighting a menorah uh, in a studio to be broadcast on national media. May you say the brachas as normal. So I want to address this. The public menorah is relatively a new minhag, which goes back, let's say, from about, about 40 years ago, 45 years ago. And you, those the various people have written about this and uh, questioning it. They, I've written about this in the Sefer Nesivim Bizdeh Ashlichus, volume Aleph, extensively, basically to explain that they, we have the concept of the menorah lit in shul. And the, the, the post can go to pain at pain to explain that no one is yotze from the menorah in shul. So, if so why are you lighting it in shul? So one of the reasons they say is personalis. Actually, there are numerous Rishonim who say that the menorah is lit in shul for the benefit of those people who, for some reason, whether because they don't have the money or they don't have the house, or they don't have the seichel, whatever it may be, they may not be lighting a menorah at home. And like this, they will be yotzer with light with a menorah lit in shul. And now, before you start jumping up and down in, in protest, the question is, the very person who lights the menorah in shul, he has to go home and light the menorah again with a bracha. But he has to make a light again at home, it's not yotzer. And so therefore, one has to understand a bit, a bit more um, subtle of you. Says in the Gemara, Horoya near Hanukkah, Mavorek Shosunis A person who's walking in the street and he sees a near Hanukkah. So Rashi says in the Gemara in Barashabas, it means a person who doesn't have, for some reason, he doesn't have a menorah, he doesn't even have a house. And he sees a near Hanukkah. So he's, he's, he is not fulfilling his of his personal obligation, but he is participating in the Persumanissa experience. He's seeing him in the he's remembering the Indian of Hanukkah. So he's, so should we say, on the receiving end. But he can make a bracha, she also needs to love What seems to be by the menorah in Shul, that since the people who see the menorah will be on the receiving end of Persumanissa, we are able to make a bracha, she also needs to love on such a thing. So we are allowed to make a bracha, shekachon, mitzvah, mitzvah, lahad, lekne, Hanukkah, to provide the, the, uh, those who are out there that they should be, be on the receiving end of the Persumanism. So therefore, in a shul, you light a menorah, and people, 
there's no one there who's not going to lie to home. Okay, we'll say it because of Minhag. But if there's someone there, so he's yoyitz. He's yoyitz in the union of Pishuminis. Though that same reason, that same logic is valid for the menorah in the public square. The only difference is that the Mephoshim say that the lighting menorah in the base in the shul is Zechel Mikdosh. You cannot uh, pick holes in that one because, um, you know, what about what about um, what about tonight? What about, I mean, every day. The Zechel Mikdosh should be every day. But be that it may, the, one of the things that Zechel Mikdosh is which side of the shul you should light it. Why we light it in shul in the morning, by halal as well as by night. Because the in the morning also according to many misfortune, but the, the basically the menorah in public um, spaces has got a, the precedent is this the menorah which is lit in shul and that is for the same very same logic because there are people out there who are going to see the menorah and they will be exposed to the the experience of pesumanisa therefore we can make a mekabrach. This is all very well if you're talking about a menorah, which is taka with flames and with um, with which, uh, you know, the wick and a flame, you can make a brach on that. But here, if someone will be turning up his, uh, his computer and he'll see that in this and this place, they are lighting a menorah, but he's seeing it through the screen. He can't make a brach a shos and this is not the same over a screen. It doesn't, 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 uh, doesn't seem right. And, uh, and as a result, the person is making menorah. I said, well, I've told people, if you want to make a thing on, the, on Zoom, on the, to be, to light menorah at home or in your shul, if you have um, a shul, and light menorah there and put that on the screen. But in a studio where there are no other people there, so the only exposure is via the media, so make a bracha without Hashem's name. Bracha to Hashem on the Kenim Melech Olam. The Chazonis is okay. You can take with Chazonis. Don't deprive the Chazonim of their um, broadcasting, their, you know, um, how do you say, Raymond was killed by Groenam, but no, a bracha shouldn't be made on, on, in, a, in a studio. So now I want to let's look at another thing. Looks like it's not on the, on the list of questions, but fine, doesn't matter. It's, it's on the screen. What about menorah, lighting menorah with a gas lamp? Very beautiful, these gas lamps that you buy from camping shops. Very beautiful light. Uh, it almost looks like a fluorescent light. <laughs> as you say, it's too good. It's too good. Um, it's not okay as far as the Aeneas diet is not okay for lighting menorah. But the, the reason is, if you take about this, this kind of lamp, you'll see that inside there is a little bag. There's a cloth bag which is surrounded, surrounds the flame. There's a small flame. You don't see the flame. The flame warms up the inside of the bag. The bag is impregnated with particles, which when they become hot, they start glowing. So the gas lamp, you don't see a flame. You're seeing a gl glowing particles. And that doesn't count for light in the menorah. And therefore that's not valid, although it would have been very convenient, but it's not valid for for uh, um, for light in menorah, Lanier's diet. I know some people say it's okay, but I, I, I need to be, uh, as far as I understand, it's not okay. Okay. The next thing which we have on the list is about a menorah in a public place. Um, oh, so someone's lit menorah in his own uh, salon, in his dining room with his family. And then he's got his front of his house is onto the street. So this is during, the picture is taken during the daytime. But he wants to light the menorah again on the street so the passers-by should be able to say, um, should, should be able to see the menorah. 
very nice. So he asked me that's if that's okay. So I said, actually, if you first light the menorah outside, you fulfilled your mitzvah. And there's no point of saying a bracha again when you go inside. In other words, the original mitzvah was to light al pesach basin mibachutz, to light the menorah outside. If you've lit your menorah on your in your front yard, so you've done the mitzvah as it was in the original mitzvah, and there's no no justification to, for you to go back into your dining room and light menorah again. On the other hand, if you first light menorah inside, so you've done the menorah for yourself. Uh, you not you not you haven't fulfilled the idea of prisuminissa. In other words, if you light the menorah outside, you've done prisuminissa. And you've done fulfilled your personal chiyuv. If you first do your personal chiyuv, you missed out on pesum and nisa, then you are allowed to light it again outside in order to project the idea of pesum and nisa, so that people should pass by. He asked whether you need to have a minion. So actually, uh, in the uh, Mishnaburi, he brings from Yaakov Emden on a Friday. When do you like menorah in shul on Friday? So normally we try to have a minion in shul when we like the menorah in shul. But when it's Friday, let's say especially if you have mincha early or whatever, so there may not be necessarily 10 people in shul at the time, and it's getting close to Shabbos, and so he says, light the menorah without 10 people. It's not crucial to have 10 people when you light the menorah for a public menorah, so long because there will people will be passing by, they'll reach, they'll come later, so it's not crucial to have a minion. It's preferable, but it's not crucial to have a minion when you light the menorah. So he'll light the menorah outside. Uh, because of COVID, he won't uh, make a special time for people to gather, but people will pass by, Eden and the house of and that's 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 okay. You could make a bracha on that. Okay, let's move on. Someone's asking, is pomace? I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Is pomace oil, olive oil, equally acceptable for the menorah? So I want to say very simple that we're talking now clearly in the area of hidur mitzvah, because you can light the menorah with, with uh, wax candles, you can light menorah with paraffin, whatever it may be, you can light with various material, various fuels, but we've, there's a preference to use, them, to use olive oil because that was it was in the Beis Hamikdash. So we have here a Mishnah, this is a Mishnah in Menachos, there's three types of olives, and each one produces three types of olive oil, and you got the first olive is Megarga Dorishazais, from the top of the tree, so it's well exposed to the sun, you squeeze it, you push it aside of the basket, and then we have the next one, Toan Bakoiro, you put on um, uh, weights um, of a, a beam or, or stones, and then that's the second quality, and then then the third thing is, when, if you grind it to produce, a, produce oil, that's the third quality, and then it goes through all the different, the different levels of um, quality of olive oil, first of the first, second of the first, the different levels of where the olive, olives grow, at the top of the tree, middle of the tree, bottom of the tree, more exposure to the sun, less exposure to the sun. So these produce different qualities oil, of, of olives and therefore different quality oil. And the one which is only produced after crushing is the least quality. The pomace oil, apparently, from my uh, reading of it, up on it, is that it's produced by a chemical reaction they put in some kind of chemicals into the i don't know what the word in english is but it's the like the dregs equivalent of um, of making wine here it's from oil they squeeze out olives and they add some kind of um, chemical and that stimulates that the the oil should flow out so it's not top quality olive oil it's the, it's the least quality olive oil 
it is valid, but it's, if you want to say it's muhudar, no, it's not the best, the best muhudar, it's the least muhudar amongst olive oils. Um, uh, Mr. Odd is adding here, he wouldn't use pomace um, oil for food purposes. As I just mentioned, there are, um, there are chemicals, and you're mentioning that it might be carcinogenic, which obviously wouldn't be a good idea to, uh, to, to put in your salad. Okay, so that's the pomace oil. Let's move on then. So we're not there yet. Okay. Right. Very, very important point. And that is <clears throat> the, uh, the question of, of uh, a question of muksa. Because Chabad Minhig, not only Chabad, many Chasidim have the Minhig to light the Menorah, Dafka, on the other side of it. It says in the Gemara that Gemara um, Midrashim that you have the Mezuzah Bimin. There's an emphasis of having the menorah on the opposite side of the mezuzah. I had the uh, privilege of learning with the late Rav Padre, I once went to him Hanukkah. He lived on Kaislev Road, um, I don't remember what number it was, uh, but he had a, a where the room where you learned, which was the back room, there's a doorway which kind of went to a balcony which overlooked the garden. And he put his manure there, at that doorway, which was no one, no one could see it, not even, not even from the gardens. But he, he would follow the same as Arminik, that to light in to light the manure, uh by the um, by in the doorway rather than by the window. And there's also there's a famous uh, uh, answer of the Rebbe about why we don't light the manure in the window. There was the the Rosh Hashiva in Torah Vodas, Reb Moshe Ber Rivkin. Rebel Rifkin, and he lived on the corner of uh, Eastern Parkway and Brooklyn Avenue, that big building. He lived over there, and the Rebbe passed by, and he sees how his lawyer is in the window, and the Rebbe says, I mean, the, the right start, I think writes to him, whatever, but uh, it's published. One of the reasons why we don't light in the window, if you have the more old-style menorahs, which would be like a, um, like a, with a back. So the back would be, if you light, the menorah can be visible in the window, it's not visible to the inside, that's for, he gives a couple of reasons, but, but but the simplest reason is we want to keep to uh, lighting the doorway. So that's the minigun in any case. I'm not going to go into the, the details now, but the question has become for Shabbos. Especially if you've got toddlers in the house. What I did see is that even if you have a doorway which doesn't have a door, and therefore the mezuzah there is not according to everyone, according to the Rambam, you don't need to have a mezuzah if there's no door, but for as far as this concerned, it's okay to have the menorah in such a doorway. And I have my house, I have a, a doorway between the kitchen and the, and the dining room. There's no door there. And we have the menorah over there uh, on the opposite side of the, of the uh, uh, mezuzah. The question is what happens on the Friday night if it is in the doorway and you've got little children and you're worried about moving it. Now, you're worried about the, them, them bumping into it, etc. Or you worry because you want to close the door. It's getting cold. It's in this time of the year. It is sometimes a little cold. So we all know there's a concept of bosses We know that we put the chalas on the table so that they should be there at the onset of Shabbos as well as the candlesticks. So that in case you want to move the table, you should be allowed to because it's a bosses of dover osomota. So when you've got on the same surface, a dava ha'osa, a dava ha'muta, then the surface does not become muksa. It's not so posh. There's several, several factors which one has to take in consideration. 
first of all, when we say you want to move the table, and you're allowed to move the table because it's got the candlesticks and it's got the challah. Why are you moving the table? Because you want to use the table. Here, why do you want to move the table or the chair, whatever it may be? Because you want to protect the menorah. You want to protect. So that, then, then, then the purpose is there. Normally, it's for the, the motive is davar hamuta. Here, the motive is lechayra davas. Second point is that when you've got challahs at the table. The table is, is for eating. So, all right, so th then the, the chalas are at least as important at the table as the uh, candlesticks are. But here, you've got a little table just for the menorah. The fact that you put in a little chala, that you don't, no one's going to eat at the, that little um, table, they're not going to not eat the chala at the table. So, that doesn't really become a dominant factor or, or to counterbalance the menorah. Now, the next thing is that when we talk about Bosel Dova Osa Muta, what's important is that the Dova Hamuta has to be of equal or greater value. Value doesn't necessarily mean money, it has to be of, 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 of uh, greater uh, importance than the Dova Osa, which is interesting because Chalas, uh, so normally we say in Shekhanoruch that what you need to have, you have the flame. And the and the chalas. What's the muksa? The muksa is the flame. So what 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 would you prefer to have a, a, a flame and go hungry, or to have chalas in the dark? You have that choice. I think I, I would I would uh, I would go for uh, um, to have my sandwiches in the dark. That would be so between flames between light and and uh, chalas. So the chal. But you know what? Uh, my candlesticks. Uh, I bought them a long time. Yeah, my wife's candlesticks. They're, they're quite expensive. I think if it's be seven hundred dollars, I think I'd skip supper for seven hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. So I'm looking now instead of talking like you look in the flames, the candlesticks. Then the candlesticks, which are looking in Shukanoruch, they were simple things, clay candlesticks or whatever. They weren't expensive, delicate items. One used them for other things also. There's a little container for trinkets. Our candlesticks, our expensive candlesticks, uh, you wouldn't use it for anything else. So I think they come under the gather of, of, of muksumachmus um, kasorinkis. Uh, so they, they, they are a big muksa. So you now have to counterbalance not only the candles, the flames, but you have to counterbalance the candlesticks also. Well, um, so you're going to put something down. And then what are you going to put down? Let's say you're going to, you know what? You're going to put down on your little menorah tray, you're going to put down a muchamayu. Oh, the Minchamayadiv is going to be the counterbalance. You know, in my house, I've got about 75 Minchamayadivs. From Hashem, souvenirs, from Bar It's a Of course, it's got holy words in it. But to say that it's got a counterbalance to the presence of the Menorah, Shvachamayadiv. So the, the uh, putting something, and I'm saying this also because it's also relevant for the people pick up the Shabbos tray, uh, the you know the chal, uh, the um, the candlesticks by putting a candy on the on the on the tray, which is uh, very very questionable because of what I've just said. Does it? Uh, why are you moving it? And does the thing which you put on it does it counterbalance? Um, I was brought up that you never move them; just stay, they stay there for the whole of Shabbos. At any rate, so moving the menorah with the table, um, um, because you put a dover heter is highly questionable and. I would say simply just instead 
just to uh, moving it Kilachayat. Move the table, if you need to move it out of the way, move it, push it with your foot, slowly, move it out, to, to out of the way, or in, 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 in a safe place. Do it Kilachayat, and that's permitted. Muksa, it may be moved Kilachayat. That's the simplest solution which I can come up with. Okay. Okay. Let's move on. Um, another Hanukkah question. Uh, two people asked me. One fellow called me up. He has a balabos who's traveling to uh, to uh, Thailand. Middle of Hanukkah, he bought tickets and he's traveling to Thailand with the family for holiday. After all this lockdown, as you say, I can't forget in Emerson if you want to go on a holiday. But he didn't realize it in the middle of Hanukkah. He's leaving the town. He's leaving about 12 o'clock at the day, 11 o'clock by day till he gets to the airport, etc. He arrives in Thailand, let's say 7 o'clock in the morning. So there's no air. Uh, and I don't think Thai air appreciate people lighting uh, menorahs on there, you know, in the kitchen there or something. I don't think that's going to work. And someone else called me again. He also his son is in America, in Detroit, or whatever. Coming once he has has a, um, a, able to come home for a few days for Hanukkah. Brought the, the ticket during Hanukkah, so he's going traveling from Newark Airport. The flight is at 5 p.m. He's going to arrive in, in Europe. He's going to arrive in in the morning. So what are you going to do about Manoira? Uh, sorry, Newark. I asked to try and find out. Perhaps there's a shul in Newark. He could perhaps he could do a maybe get a minion or even even if not can they, in the shul they might have facilities to light a menorah, which is self questionable but fine. But this fellow going to Thailand, so then the question is like this: it says in the Gemara story about someone who was in Germany, he was married, and he was in yeshiva away from home, and he says he doesn't need to to participate in the menorah lighting here because back home his wife is lighting. So I'm looking into the question like this. So someone is traveling from Ukraine to Thailand for, for, for a vacation. How about if he asks a neighbor of his, a friend of his, do me a favor, and listen this time, go to my house, here's the key, you light my menorah in my, in my, in my house, my window, whatever it may be, light, light my menorah for my money, my, for my oil, and do it on, on my shlichus. Is there any value in that? So you have Megamori, says his wife lit the menorah for him. So there's a safer specializing in Hilchas traveling. It's called Ahalech Ba Mitecho. It's written by Rebbe Tzal Stern, who wrote the, the Shai Sotchubah, Betzel HaChochma. He was, for a number of years, he was the Rav of the Kehillah in Melbourne. And he was very sensitive to traveling and the complications, especially, you know, dateline and stuff like that and being in different time time zones he's very uh, so he specializes in this area but he ta he takes a view that it does not work to have someone else other than your wife if, if someone was staying home and they like your menorah your yoitsa but if just to have your menorah you're not there so you're not yoitsa with that listen uh, he does not bring any proof to that so what i would say is there's no i mean they, they're on the, they're, there's no chance of them lighting in the plane uh, if this is going to, this might work, it might not work. So uh, no, no hard and fast answer on that. Uh, that's the, I mean, it, it can't do any harm if, if then someone else will light them know on their behalf. 
And this way, possibly they are Yotsa because their menorah has been lit you know, in, in, their, in, in their premises. All right, let's go up to a nun. So someone's asked, what should the shul Beis Chabad do for, to facilitate this person? We're lighting menorah in a, uh, but that, they're not Yotsa from the menorah in shul. The Altarebbe said in Tanya, which he had a couple of days, when the chasen goes to the yomud and says kadusha, so the omshe besodah is a yotze kadusha. But I don't know whether they yotze menorah. If they don't see a menorah, I don't think they can be yotze without seeing a menorah. If there is, as I said back to this in Newark, if there was a a place where there's a public menorah in Newark, at least there could be yotze the what we said before, the idea of seeing a roya nechanika, even though there's not no one's yotze the choyvas gavro because it's not their house. But at least they can be seeing a near Hanukkah. But uh, if they're on the plane, and unless we make such a big menorah that they can see it from the planes. Okay. Lom again, Weiter. Someone asks the following question. Not a Hanukkah question. Gluten-free trumpets. Um, crumpets. So, as you see, it's got here, it's, it's Warburton's, which is a national company, not a, a Jewish company. It does have uh, LBD, I think, and as we know, the LBD doesn't necessarily cover for the questions of visual akum. So therefore, they're asking the question: Is it, is it a question of pasisrol or pasakum, etc.? This was the question. So I was curious. You say it's gluten-free. What grain is used here? So it's apparently they use rice, rice or maize. They use other grains, not from the Hamishas mini dogon. So therefore, it's clearly in Shukhan Aruch, that this does not come under the gather of Pas Akum, because it's not made from those grains. But the, the story doesn't stop there. The question is, what about Bishul Akum? In other words, the Halacha of Pas is more lenient than halacha of bishul. So, for example, the concept of pas palter, the fact that it's made by a commercial baker, is permitted by bread. It's not permitted by, according to most poskim, it's not been permitted by other things. The reason for that might be that bread is uh, a staple, much more of a staple than baked beans or, or uh, cooked potatoes. Much it's, bread is more of a staple, and perhaps because of that, the Chachamim allowed you, allowed us to use pas palter, but they didn't make that concession. Could also be that cooking involves more ingredients, bread is a more simple product, whatever the reason may be. But there are greater concessions in halacha for pas than there are for bishul. So, having confirmed that there's no problem of pas because it's not made from any of those five grains. We still have to deal with, is it subject to Bishal Akum? The rules of Bishal Akum are, there's two main rules. There has to be something which is inedible raw, and it has to be something which would be served at a fancy do. It's, it's, um, would it be served as a fancy do? So my, my little bit of research into crumpets turns out that at least in England, it's a chosh of a food, and it would be, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be out of place to serve crumpets at a fancy do. So then I do see that there is a concern of, of a visual outcome. Um, there are, so 
so now let me just see the the uh vessels over here someone's pointing pointing out that lbd have a special mark for passisrol product well this they wouldn't have to mark this it doesn't need to be passisrol but i want to know whether it's called bishel israel and that's where i have a little uh, i have a problem with this okay the next question is coming back to hanukkah uh, is asking would electric lights work for hanukkah unfortunately no because this is going back to um to the base Yitzchok, who lived in, in, in the Robin Lodge before the war. He um, he talks about electricity. Hanukkah has to be a wick and a, a oil uh, and a consumption of that, that form. Electricity is a different type of flame. Electricity is a friction type of fire. It doesn't it doesn't doesn't resemble the menorah samitosh. So electric lights again for a zecher it's a nice. Uh, but it doesn't uh, work. Uh, so Reb Gershon's asking, toast in the crumpet, does that help? Unfortunately, I don't think so, because it's once it's already become royal achila, the fact that you take it afterwards and toast it is not going to undo. Once it's kind of been qualified as, as a bishul akum, toasting it later doesn't is not going to undo that. So, yeah, I, I, so I, I really I don't have a, a satisfactory uh, heter for this uh, product. Let's move on. Someone asked me a totally different question, nothing to do with Hanukkah. And that is about, um, can, can may cat litter be switched on Shabbos? So if you have a cat, um, so now there's a litter, which is where the cat will relieve itself. And then if it's made to be absorb the bad smells, but let's say you only realize on Shabbos is a bad smell. So I would say it is muksa. Cat litter is muksa. But then we have this famous cloud that God will cover the covered abrius, that a covered abrius, respect for human life, for human dignity, overrides the Isur Rabbonon. So if the presence of the cat litter is offensive to our presence, so we would be allowed to empty it and, uh, if necessary, refill because otherwise the cat won't, uh, you know, might might decide to leave something somewhere else. And therefore, I would remain that the no, not to do it on Shabbos, switch it before Shabbos. But if on Shabbos it's in an area where you are using that area and it's bothering you, so then we could rely on the concept of covered abrius to allow you to uh, to switch it on Shabbos. Let's go on to the next question. And that was, um, like I'm switching the order. Point 11 was sweeping. A couple of days, we last, last year, two years back, we spoke about sweeping and about a broom. That is, sweeping outside is forbidden because you might fill in the cracks. Sweeping indoors is permitted. So then someone's asking, what about if I have an internal uh, tiled floor where there's grout? Is there, and uh, there are like slight grooves. Is that a problem? So this is from the Aruch HaShulchan, so from Simshin Lamed Zayin, it's quoted in the Shemir Shabbos Kilchosa, and he's saying that what we say, um, Mendel, Mendel not in here, sorry. Okay. Um, says that Amor, so, there are more machine line Zion says the meaning is that it's allowed to do um, sweeping indoors. Uh, it's 
the, um, we, we, we do allow sweeping the floors indoors. Because our floors are Merutsofen. The word Rotsuf, which Ritzpo is used for a floor, and Rotsuf means consecutive. If you have all the floorboards one after the other consecutive, that's a, 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 floor, a proper floor. Therefore, one cannot make a Gezeira. One should not say, oh, don't sweep a floor indoors. Perhaps you'll have a floor indoors which doesn't have a a, a, a proper floor. And then he says, "Kol shekino idno, dipshe b'chol amekoymus merutzofim maritzpus." Everywhere in normal practice in houses, it's not like you know the mud huts which had floors made of earth or sand. Our floors are made with with floorboards. That's before the carpet, wall-to-wall carpet. Ve'en chiluk bein ritzufe eats merutzufa avonim. Don't worry, the different, no difference whether it's wood or uh, wooden floorboards or um, stone uh, tiles. We don't have to worry about the little gaps between one tile and the next. When it comes to sweeping, to say that you're going to do sweeping to fill up that crack, those types of cracks, that's not an issue because the space between one tile and the next is so minimal therefore you don't have to worry about it so you hear you have very clearly the question the good question was asked and he says an indoor floor even if there are slight gaps between the tiles but that's not an issue to worry about let's go on then um, let's go on to the question 10 I'm going to slightly wrong order about is there a worry of coloration of coloring when it comes to using a tea bag so i was brought up that you prepare tea essence before shabbos and you have a little a chinik you have a little um, kettle we had uh, actually a ceramic one which sat on top of the urn and we that was prepared before shabbos so i just follow minigavoisai and prepare to essence before shabbos but i know many people don't do that and they rely on using a klishlishi and then someone's asking about the coloring of the bag. And though, so you can have coloring from tea, uh, it can be a fruit tea, so it's a more colorful, more attractive color. Is there is that an issue? So here what we have in front of you on the screen is from the Altarevus Rukunorov, it's from Simon Sheen base. And it's, it's a, in, in the Kuntras Akhren. And he's saying here the following. The Dovor She'ein Derech O'Eulam Oi, Ein Boi Mishum Tsoiveya, Omuta a, 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 raw, a rag which people don't normally color, don't dye it for, to change its color, is not a worry of wiping your hands and coloring it. Let's skip the next piece. He says, if you'd say, so there is mention in Shukhan Aruch about if a person's got a cut about using a, a, a cloth which is going to be colored by the blood. So the Alter Rebbe says here, you have a din isha shapir sonido b'shabes, and it says she's, uh, it should be also for her to pay, place a much, to pay, place a cloth there to absorb the the um, the bleeding, the ace of tzeveya, like you're not allowed to put a, a beged, uh, a garment on a wound on a bako to absorb. But the Bishyosef clearly in Simon Shin Gimel talks about putting on the, putting such a pad in place to absorb the uh, the bleeding. Poses has discussion whether it can go out with the pad to the street. But no one's worried about about Sevilla, about coloring the pad. The reason must be it's been designated 
for absorbing the, uh, the bleeding. So Dr. lays down here a cloud. But if it's something which is for this, this purpose of getting soiled in use, then you don't have to worry about, about coloration. And so therefore the tea bags are meyuchid for making tea and afterwards you throw them out. And therefore one doesn't have to worry about the coloring of the tea bag. That's what I managed to find so far. Okay. Let's go on to the next question, which is a child born Bain Hashmoshes. A child is born, the word Bain Hashmoshes in English is translated um, twilight. Twilight means between the two lights, in between the lights. You've got the light of the day, which is this, the sun. And then after the sun sets, a little while later, the, star, the stars are visible, uh, the moon the beginning of the month is, vis is even um, visible before sunset. The end of the month, the moon is visible in the morning, but not earlier in the evening. Uh, in the early evening. Anyway, that's what Ben Hashmoshes is. The shamash means the servant. The sun is a, a servant by day. The, the moon and the stars are the shamoshim by night. And Ben Hashmoshes has got this time between, which is Sofakem, Sofak Laila. We're not sure whether it belongs to the day, it doesn't mean whether it belongs to the night. And the child is born then. So now we've got this question about celebrating a birthday, which is not really a major uh, halacha question. It's a celebration. But uh, still, I really want to have guidance halacha. So the important birthday will obviously be the um, bar mitzvah. So now the question would be, you know, in Chabad, the minig is that a boy starts wearing tefillin two months before the bar mitzvah. But some kehillers, they wait much till the day of the bar mitzvah. So now, if he's born into twilight between Yates and Chav Kislev, not this year, yeah? so then does he put start film on Yates? So the Mishnah Bruna in Simonun Hay, because Simonun Hay, why is it in Simonun Hay? It's not Hechazba Mitzvah. Simonun Hay is about Philip at Sibur, the one constitutes a minion. So it talks there about a child becoming Bar Mitzvah. So there, Mishnah Bruna says, when you have this Sasafik, so you have to go to Chumrah. Which means you'd have to say that the boy should wear tefillin the day before, because even though it's only misofik, but you have to start the day before. And therefore, coming back to this question, also with birthdays, uh, so one would have to celebrate the, the birthday the day earlier rather than the day later. Um, two other two points which connected to this. Very often, people ask about a yard site. And the end of life could also be sometimes on the Shvisen, but it could be also Ben Ashmoshes. And there also, I, I follow the view again, it's discussed in Poskim, that to take the earlier of the two, the earlier of the day rather than the later day. And there it's a simple uh, logic, which is because the Inyav Zikorin, the Nifter uh, is waiting to be remembered. It shouldn't be that the day has passed and the Nifter is saying, why didn't they remember me? So if it's a day earlier, it's okay. If it's a day later, then there can be that the uh, Someone over there has been worrying, why haven't they remembered me? Okay, one, one more point, which is, I think, a very important point. The moment of birth. So they tell, they tell you in the hospital, the baby was born on this and this time. What exactly is called birth? They are saying, when they're not sure exactly how, how they define. But once the baby has put his head out, um, out of the 
out of the cervix. Yatsuroshe is really called born. Some Poskin want to say, even if the cervix is so dilated that you can see the head, might also be considered already in Noilad. Now that makes a massive difference. If a baby is born, let's say, on, on, on Friday evening, even let's say 10 minutes after, I'm not I'm, I'm throwing numbers, yeah? Shortly after Ben Ashmoshes. You say it was born after Ben Ashmoshes, it's born Shabbos, you have to make Shabbos bris. Before you rush to do that, consider perhaps, perhaps the baby was considered born a little bit earlier, 10 minutes earlier, perhaps 15 minutes earlier. So although the report is saying the baby was born 10 minutes after Ben Ashmoshes, it might be La Halocha, the baby was actually considered to have been born earlier. And that would mean the baby was born on Friday or Shash Friday, and then you might be very, very similar making the bris on, on Shabbos. So, therefore, I wouldn't rush to um, to Paschen on, on such a thing. Um, so, and coming back to the birthdays, so following this 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 approach, it looks like when you have a baby born Ben Ashmoshes, one should actually uh, consider the first of the two days of the two options. The earlier one should be the day of celebration. Let's go for our last um, question, which we have today. And that is coming back to um, the, we discussed last week about the minig of adding water to the wine, Meziga Sayain. So apparently Rabbi Zelikson had, had uh, spoken about this and uh, he sent me where his, his quote was from. So this is a Sikha from Tofshin Lamed Zayin, as you can see. And it's talking about the Rebbe's Ha'oras and the Zohar, so the Rebbe would be discussing the regular Fabrengans, the notes of his father, Rebbe uh, um, uh, on, on on the Zohar, two volumes of the Kutlev Yitzchak, and they would speak about them, and that's how he was Mekai in the of Kibbut Av. And so it talks about the Zohar of Loi Lo, Loi Lo, and Loi, as an aleph and loy with a vav and lo, and then he says, "It's just going to focus on the piece which is relevant to us now." So that's last week. Cedra Yaakov brings the wine to Yitzchok and to drink, and the Zohar says that this has got to do with the union of Zoh, and it says in the Zohar that Yaakov brought the wine already blended. It was already blended with water. And it wasn't wine which was high, which was raw, neat, because yain mozik, wine which is diluted, has got the mile, has got the advantage over wine which is neat, as we see in the halachas of Kiddush, that there's an advantage of using diluted wine. And this is the in of yain mozuk, the wine which has been blended with water, is the idea of tiferes. So you've got a combination of chesed and gevura, and comes together is inyan of tiferes. These to the minion from gevuras mumotokes, of the inyan of gevura, which has been sweetened, and been been um, tempered, etc. So the Rebbe spoke about this, but as I mentioned last week, the, the, what we, we, we could see, I mean, someone wanted to suggest that the bit of wine which is left in the cup, because you reach the cup. <laughs> the little bit of wine which is left in the cup serves to, to dilute the wine. Is actually, I think the, I'd say it would be first to have the wine and then to add the water. It seems it mentions about adding water by Noidelachot. But we saw by the Rebbe, they brought the cup to the Rebbe and he took a tissue, a napkin in American, 
and he wiped it in, in, from the inside and the outside, and then he put it, passed it, left it on the table for Rabbi uh, Mentlik, um, and then Rabbi Mentlik would pour, pour in the uh, wine. We never saw the Rebbe adding any wine to the, to add any water to the wine. So as I said last week, it could be um, that mentioned Shukhanor, that our wine is actually better without diluting. It could be another thing that maybe already wine added in the production. The poil in Chabad, we haven't seen this minute. Others, you know, everyone, Kunara and Ara Pashta, each one follows their minute. The mental suffering is pointing out that this Indian of Mizigas Hayan is this week's Torah. Eh? Um, right. And the Geshen is pointing out that old wine was like liquor, which was a very strong, which needed diluting, whereas the modern wine is, is much more mild, and therefore it, it doesn't need to be diluted. I just want to finish off. I've got another minute or so. Um, I had a phone call from a person who some of you might recognize. Uh, he lives in Israel, and he's been struggling financially for many, many years. He's been here several times, come uh, Purim time, other times of the year, in Poshet for, and he's, he's been served a notice of eviction of his house in, in Nachlas Achabad. He's just pleading Poshet Mazalachabad um, to help him out. Um, so he's anyone who does want to contribute to help him. So you have Rebeleza Kesselman, um, who lives on Elm Park Avenue, number eight Elm Park Avenue, or Shmuel Chain. They are both are in contact with him and they would accept any money which be given to them, they will send on to help him um, to uh, to relieve him from his current predicament. And I uh, wish you all a Shona Toiva, Botoya Saksidis, Vilimada Chasidis, Gaseva Chasemo, Chasidis Yidin, and have a Chasidis Anakis from our children and from our families, and a little bit from ourselves also, and the Rebels of Unzhab Anakis. And so I wish you all a Svaduyas Pilus. We now, in half an hour, is starting the uh, Inspire uh, conference, and Bezda Hashem will hear from the Shluchim in, in, uh, in Oslo and in Helsinki and in uh, Copenhagen. So this year we have the uh, Scandinavian taste for the hour of Fabrengen, and I'm sure everyone will find it very um, inspiring. So I'm going to leave you time to hoist on Dilavushim, Anton Yenelavushim. So I'm going to go to and I'm going to go to Yomko. Thank you very much.